Welcome to Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Tom Williams. As North Carolina continues to develop plans for safely beginning the 2020-2021 school year, we take a look at the possibilities surrounding what next year could bring and what that means for both large and small school districts across our state. Joining us today are Cindy Bliss, Principal of Myrtle Grove Middle School in New Hanover County, Dr. Barry Williams, Superintendent of the Gates County Public Schools, and Kathy Moore, Superintendent of the Wake County Public Schools. Thank you uh, for joining us. We're delighted to have um, Superintendent Kathy Moore from the Wake County Schools joining us this morning. And thank you so much, Superintendent Moore, for taking time out of what I know is not only a busy but demanding schedule. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. So if Governor Cooper announces that North Carolina schools will open under Plan B, Wake County has a plan in place for that scenario. Would you kind of briefly describe your plan for reopening schools next month under the Plan B option? So Wake County Public School System has been working on a framework for plans A, B, and C. And clearly Plan B is the most problematic um, and requires quite a bit of attention because um, in Plan A, all students are in schools and there are obviously other measures that we take to keep them safe. And in Plan C, no students are in schools. And so both of those are very easy for families to understand. Plan B, however, requires a lot of logistical work and structures because you're only allowed to have 50% of students in. And on buses, you're really only allowed to have about 30% of your bus ridership on a bus. So Plan B for us has been the most difficult. And what it looks like for us is um, a week of face-to-face in-person instruction for a third of our students at a time. And the other two thirds will be engaged in remote learning. So it's a three week cycle with one week in the building and two weeks remote instruction. Um, and, it, and that really reflects a priority that we had at the district level based on some feedback um, that all of our families across all grade levels felt it was important to have some face-to-face -face instruction um, rather than just virtual, only virtual. Let's say the decision uh, is that uh, the state is going to go with Plan C. Um, what would this scenario look like with Wake County? And I know that there were lessons learned and a lot of work that was done last spring to make remote learning successful. What would, how would it be different? What would it look like this year? Last spring, when schools, when we closed schools and immediately within a couple of hours after that, the governor closed all schools um, and we were thrown into what remote learning would look like, there were a lot of things, a lot of barriers and constructs that had to be created very quickly. Um, just the very simple issue of dealing with students who didn't have devices or connectivity, which is very real and persists, I believe, in every single county in the state of North Carolina. Um, we had to really pivot very quickly. And um, I joke that we weren't building a plane while we were flying it, that we were FedExing parts to the plane while we were flying it. Um, and so we have learned a lot of lessons, as you have said, and we've gotten a lot of feedback as well. And we know that to the extent that we engage in a plan C for all schools, if that is what the governor orders, that the expectations of both our teachers, our school administrators, and our families and students is higher than what we engaged in in the spring. So we have been working on the plan C options as well so that we can provide more guidance, more structure, more continuity and expectations around what families can expect, um, expectations around interaction with students from their school teachers, 
so that we can provide a better informed and uh, valuable experience for all of our students and really maintain those high levels of teaching learning that we expect. We know that internal and external stakeholder engagement has been a focus for the Wake County schools and school districts across the state. Um, talk a little bit about how they've been engaged in influencing the plan and your thinking. We have been pretty open with seeking feedback from a number of stakeholder groups. Um, we've worked, worked very closely with our local NCAE chapter and the local president to um, participate in focus groups and sessions that were being held with teachers all across the, the county to make sure that central services staff were there to also provide support and listen. Um, we communicate frequently on all of the plans that we're working on, the frameworks for A, B, and C, um, the different options that are being considered. So our local NCAE rep has been a part of those discussions. And we have also sent surveys to teachers, specifically to all of our teachers and staff, to ask them, how are, are they comfortable returning to school? What would, their, what would they expect to see? Um, so that we have an understanding of what our teachers expect and what their concerns are. And then we've done the same thing with parents in our community as well. Um, mm -hmm. I will say, last thing is that, um, and, and we are divided as a community and staff. Um, we have fully 30% of our families who are indicating they would like an all virtual option. Uh, a little smaller percentage than that, that would like an all in-face option. And then the largest, but not by much, percentage in the middle thinking that some sort of blended option is what would be preferred. Um, of course, the devil is in the details for all of that. So whichever option we are providing, we're trying to be responsive in general to what most of the feedback says. People who are in schools want face-to-face. -face. We are providing an all virtual option, a virtual academy option for families who are not comfortable at all and want to commit to a virtual academy. Um, but, you know, there, Plan B does not have a lot of great options within it, and in all of them, there are choices that are being made where you wish you had other options. Um, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, two things, your biggest challenges that you feel like the district's facing in meeting the needs of the community, and what does the district need most to be able to operate as effectively and efficiently as you want it to for the students and for the teachers and parents? So I think in general terms, the uncertainty of what the next few months holds, in particular in the Wake County area, uh, we are an area where the numbers and the data around the COVID-19 uh, pandemic are of concern. And so we wanna make sure that whatever we're doing, we're maintaining the health and safety of our staff, our students and families at the forefront of everything we do. It's part of every conversation. And so that uncertainty really has us concerned about what school will look like. We've been saying school will be different um, and certainly plan B is different. And if we have to go to plan C, uh, that will be different. Um, even in plan A, things would be different because we would still be having to take some precautions um, to make sure that our kids and our students were safe. So really it's just an, an uncertainty about what the future is going to look like and trying to be flexible and responsive as we hear concerns. So. As we look specifically with the Wake County Public School System and the potential to implement Plan B, um, and maybe even were we to implement Plan C if that was what were, was required, um, the extent to which our community continues to support families who might need to telework or work from home, 
uh, the extent to which our community partners like the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club or private daycares and uh, park and rec organizations can support us with what now will be a, a track out type camp for all kids on a rotating basis um, in a manner that is both supportive of the remote learning and provides parents with flexibility should they need to, to be at the work site and not be able to be at home to support their children. Um, there is some space for what that collaboration and partnership looks like moving forward. And I think another piece that's really important with that for our community is that it has to be something that is affordable and doable for our families. Mm -hmm. And so we need to figure out how to partner through this. Um, right. I really think that um, the community at large, uh, to the extent that we continue to follow the guidance that is coming out of North Carolina DHHS and the governor's office to ensure that we remain as safe as possible. I think following that guidance and, and adhering to it helps us open our schools sooner and fuller. Yeah. Thank you so much for being such a valuable resource here to Education Matters and our viewers across the state and here in the local area. Uh, applaud you and your team as well as your Board of Education and community for the work you're doing together. Best wishes for the rest of the safe summer moving forward and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Well, welcome, and we're delighted to have Cindy Bliss, principal at Myrtle Grove Middle School in New Hanover County with us. And joining her is Dr. Barry Williams, our superintendent in Gates County Public Schools in the northeastern part of North Carolina. Thank you both for being with us today. Thank Glad you. to be here with you. Uh, Dr. Williams, let's start with you um, as a local superintendent in a rural and small school district here in North Carolina. How have you been engaging with your staff and your principals and faculties, as well as your community, in approaching the reopening plans for the fall? Well, in a, in, in a small school district like Gates County, we got about uh, 11,000 people. We got 1,500 students. And what we do, we don't really call them task force. We have principals, directors, and some board members. Uh, get together and we focused our energy on four major bullets uh, for the situation that we're in. Um, we realized that, that uh, one size fits all, that doesn't work. And so we're trying to come up with a draft document, kind of like that NC uh, DPI has put out the toolkit, Safe Schools Toolkit. We want to have that for Gates County. And so what we've started out with, our major points are uh, we've got a documented brainstorming session that we have uh, twice a week. We have anecdotal research where we're guiding our decisions and we try to mirror everything uh, with other school districts and from the health department and from DPI and from the um, uh, NCASA and the NCSSA and the State Board of Education and local hospitals. We want to get information and research from them to help us along the way. We will have a planning uh, template to organize our action steps of how we approach things as they come up. And we have a communication document that's going to help share our priorities, action steps, and timelines with parents, educators, and um, teachers. 
and all this works, uh, Tom, with the uh, power of collaboration and teamwork. When this first came out by the governor in March uh, 14th, I believe it was, there was such a resurgence of energy and passion to get kids meals, to get instruction, the continuity instruction, to get things out to people just as quickly as possible. So that's how we've handled it so far. Well, excellent. Um, Ms. Bliss, coming to you, you're the principal there. You're right in between the superintendent's office, the teachers and faculty and parents and the kids. How are you engaging with your various stakeholders in, in helping shape the plan there at Myrtle Grove Middle? Right. So just like um, Dr. Williams talked about, we have uh, we have we have county teams, and and then we've do also done some school teams. Um, at our school level, we formed re-entry teams, and those uh, teams were around our facilities. Um, instruction, uh, social emotional learning, and then communication. And we really tried to make sure that we had students, staff, and parents um, on each of those teams to really make sure that the, the two-way was happening um, between school and uh, community. And then at the district level, um, there are also some uh, teams that are, that are uh, happening with uh, around buildings and transportation, um, help, and, uh, and then instruction um, and, and communication. Um, and all of those also um, have uh, teachers, or no, no, I'm sorry, no teachers, administrators, um, but then members of the community um, that it impacts. So on the health committee, uh, it, you know, it really is, is taking a look at how we can safely get kids back in school and setting up some processes and procedures for coming in, out, in and out. And it has our Coastal Horizons uh, mental health um, as part of that and the, the, the health department. Um, and so, I, you know, it all, we all know this, it comes down to that communication piece. And so really trying to be strategic about how and what we are communicating um, from the district and from the schools to make sure it's in line and that parents are receiving one message. Okay, excellent. Well, Dr. Williams, uh, you mentioned earlier the nature of Gates County and um, you join a number of other small and rural school districts uh, here in the state of North Carolina. What would you say are the couple of top challenges that are unique to a rural education community, uh, keeping in mind the nature of what you're addressing right now with um, reopening schools? Well, there's, there, there's several challenges, uh, especially in a rural school district and especially in a, in a small rural school district that has a big county. Uh, so say I'm talking landmass, um, but first and foremost with, with any situation uh, in schools is safety. And I think the health and safety of students and staff is imperative. I don't think any school or, or district should be forced to reopen unless they meet the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Guidelines. Uh, we want to make sure that, that our families are taken care of when we have this reopening process and caution is essential and the need to restructure structure to conform to the CDC guidelines is imperative. An another challenge that we have, of course, is transportation. Before the pandemic, pandemic even occurred, we can't even get bus drivers to drive buses, you know, so sometimes we have to double up. Well, right now, like I just said, we have large areas to cover the, and the limits on the number of students that can even ride a bus, I believe it went from eight to 22 now, uh, a kid per seat, that's putting a lot of restraints and putting buses on the road and, and it's just gonna cause a lot of traffic that is really unnecessary. So how much instruction is actually going on? And another thing that I think, the closing of schools 
in response to the pandemic has pretty much focused a powerful spotlight on the inequities that we have in a small rural school district. We don't have these big towers and, and, and the broadband to support instruction remotely. So we get on a bus, we take everything paper and pencil and kids that do have the uh, uh, internet access, we can get that information to them the best we can through virtual learning. So I'm gonna come back to you, Ms. Bliss, and maybe talk a little bit about um, the lessons that were learned uh, last year prior to the end of this school year, in particular around remote learning and how you're approaching the need for remote learning or how it would look in the coming year if needed. So really the, the biggest thing that we learned was this, the streamlining and reducing the clutter um, so that it is really easy for kids and parents to access um, and monitor and, and having really clear directions on what to do and what is expected um, for students during this time. Great. Dr. Williams first, what would you say is the most important advice you'd give to your families in Gates County who are struggling with the approaches the schools and the district are taking and then come back to you, Ms. Bliss, from your school perspective? I think we need to communicate and parents need to ask questions if they don't know answers. And just at home, I, I think it's just really simple little things besides uh, uh, setting regular bedtimes and wake up times for your children, establish a school day educational schedule, uh, whether at home or in school, uh, provide opportunities for students to exercise and maintain some sort of social contact with their peers. And, uh, you know, reduce the anxiety of the in the face real life concerns by letting them share their concerns and providing extra resources. So, you know, we're here for the community the community is all about working together and collaboration and with the Strong Schools North Carolina Toolkit, there's more information there that parents are really accessible to get. Really, my advice to parents is, is just patience, compassion, and grace. Patience, compassion, and grace for, your, for themselves, for their students, and for the schools because we are really trying to figure this out and we are really working hard to, uh, to do what is best for students given all that is going on. We, you know, knowing that we do want their kids back at, at school, but we wanna do it in a safe way that is safe for adults and students. Um, and, and so just allowing patience, compassion and grace um, for everybody involved in this while we really try to come together um, to get through this time. Thank you, Ms. Bliss. Thank you, Dr. Williams, for joining us on Education Matters. We're really grateful and wish you the best as you move through the summer and into the new school year. After the break, the final word with our new Education Matters host, Mary Ann Wolfe. First, let me welcome our new host of Education Matters, Dr. Mary Ann Wolfe, our fourth president and executive director since 1985 to lead the Public School Forum of North Carolina. As the new host of Education Matters, I would like to thank Dr. Tom Williams, who has graciously and masterfully hosted this show. He has ensured that we are hearing from voices across North Carolina on the most pressing education issues. Fortunately, Tom will be back as a guest host, and I look forward to bringing what I have learned from his wisdom and experience to the show in what we know to be trying times in our country, state, and schools. No school district, educator, or parent wants to be in the position of having to debate whether or how we can return to school this year. We wish that we could start school with in-person, full classes, and we watch as districts and families struggle to decide what is right for their children. 
To safely reopen this fall, addressing the following three challenges will be paramount. Our top priority must be ensuring the safety of our students, teachers, staff, and families. If school buildings are open this fall, plans must be made for scenarios both during and outside of school that keep students and staff as safe as possible. Many districts are ensuring that families will have access to remote learning as an option, even when a hybrid or in-person plan is implemented. These virtual learning options will enable families to stay engaged with their school system and school communities. Another priority must be ensuring equity as we work to provide robust, meaningful learning opportunities for all students. During the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic, we learned that unequal broadband access, the varied ability of parents to work remotely, funding disparities across districts, and many more inequities were exacerbated by our efforts to mitigate the spread of this virus. Students will need to be able to rely on rigorous remote learning options that districts across the state are working hard to develop. In the event, we must stay home. Finally, with so many things up in the air, districts must be able to count on resources and funding to support changes required by fall learning plans. Unpredictable changes in funding will make it harder for our district leaders to deliver safe and equitable educational offerings in the face of COVID-19. We believe our state leaders must take specific actions so that district leaders will know that they will have the budgets they need throughout the year with at least the amount they plan to have. As I engage in discussions with educators, families, and communities, it is clear that we all struggle with any of the options that do not fit our definition of normal and may not be what we want for our kids or our educators and staff for the fall. However, as we move forward with a focus on safety for students and staff, equity for robust, meaningful learning opportunities, and the need for adequate resources and a solid budget, I also see the creativity and caring concern for our students at every turn. Our public schools are the hub of our communities, and even in the midst of a global pandemic where nothing seems normal, they will be the constant source of connection, whole child support, and learning for our kids. Over the past seven months, it's been my distinct privilege to serve as the host of Education Matters. I'm profoundly grateful for the incredible professional support provided by WRAL and its producers, as well as our amazing team at the Forum who each week make the show possible. I'd be remiss if I did not express my appreciation to the show's lead corporate sponsor, Town Bank, as well as UNC TV, for making the show accessible each week to all North Carolinians in every community. Since its inception three years ago, Education Matters allows us to share insights to key issues affecting a broad range of K-12 public education stakeholders. There would not be an Education Matters if not for the expert guests who give of their time, expertise, and insights on key issues impacting our children and our public schools. From state and local leaders to researchers, business leaders, policymakers, and yes, parents and students. Their voices from the field are invaluable in ensuring North Carolina's current and future leaders chart and stay the course in creating effective public policy and investing the needed resources our students and teachers needs. As our state faces the complex challenges presented by COVID-19, our state's leaders must simultaneously stay committed to every child receiving an opportunity for sound basic education as guaranteed by our state's constitution and the comprehensive requirements defined by our courts in the landmark Leandro decision. The children in our public schools today represent the foundation for North Carolina's future success through a well-prepared workforce and citizenry 
to lead us forward as a competitive state in the years and decades ahead. Thank you.